When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. The Browns get back on the field after a week off, uh, bye week off, and they try to work their way up the AFC North standings. This week they will take on the Miami Dolphins in Miami. Should be a little bit of rain, could be a little hectic from the weather going on in Miami. So, uh, Daryl, your thoughts on this week's game? Well, it's funny. Kevin Stefanski, I don't think, even knew that there was a hurricane ready to hit Florida. Uh, When we asked him Wednesday about the the weather, and uh, he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's going to be hot and humid, and, you know, we're going to be on the sunny sideline, this, that, and the other. And the whole purpose of the question was, yeah, but there's a hurricane incoming now. And uh, so I, w- I was joking with someone uh, after his press conference. I said, Coach has no idea there's a hurricane about to hit Florida, right? And they said, yeah, I don't think so. I think he's just got the blinders on and he's really in the bunker. I'm like, well, it's kind of why we asked about the weather. <laughs> because we don't even know if they're going to be able to you know, land a plane uh, to get down to Florida at this point. So, uh, you know, obviously thinking of the folks down there, uh, we all still remember Hurricane Ian and the devastation that that brought uh, earlier uh, this fall. So hopefully everyone in uh, southern Florida there is uh, safe and okay, first and foremost, while we sit up here and uh, you know talk about uh, really a meaningless football game in the grand scheme of life. So sure. uh, thinking about the folks down in Florida, uh, it's, it's obviously been a, a difficult time. Uh, for them. But yeah, it just it just reemphasizes, though, we always hear that cliche about bunker mentality and, and stuff like that. And I, I kind of got a little bit of a, 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 a kick out of that. We'll talk about something else that I got a kick out uh, of his uh, Wednesday press conference here uh, in a minute. But it it is a pretty big week for uh, the Brownies uh, as they head to Miami with uh, basically their Season still hanging in the balance. There, by the way, just uh, a warning to folks. Um, basically, the Brown season is going to be hanging in the balance uh, until they get back to like 500 and stuff like that and above. Five. Like, that's just what it's going to be for the next month or so. The season is hanging in the balance every week. So get used to hearing that. Well, that's okay. I mean, at least it keeps you interested. And you want to be around until December, right? I mean, you want to at least be mathematically around. At least we've learned to, to live that way. I'm sure most organizations and most franchises are like you want to be living around till at least the last two weeks of the season i think hey there's no franchise in the nfl that prides themselves on remaining mathematically alive for the playoffs in december not making the playoffs but hey we like that that's so they can't they can't hang division title banners in berea they sure the hell can't hang any conference title banners in berea and they sure the hell can't hang any super bowl champion banners in berea i think um they should take the indianapolis colts route and hang 
hey, mathematically alive in the month of December champion banners. Like, that's what the Browns should be doing. Well, they always could just hang one banner and it just says in the hunt. Yes. So if you're in the hunt. And then you instead of like years, they could just put months from the year. Okay. And that would put them in the hunt. And then, okay. I mean, conceivably, every game that Kareem has played would put them in the hunt, but that's that's semantics. So I'm sorry. Right I can't really. He's going to be here all throughout this podcast. Thank you. Tip your waiter Um, or waitress. The question I have then for you, too, and you were joking about it, but um, Kevin Stefanski had something pretty funny to say about the league and and how you run your plays. Yeah. You know, we always talk about how it's a copycat league, right? You know, everyone's stealing from everyone. And Stefanski flat out came out and said it on Wednesday. He's like, I don't know if there's any original ideas in this league anymore. He's like, we all steal from each other. And I am not the least bit afraid to admit it. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, it, basically that that came up uh, because, uh, you know, obviously during the bye week, they do a lot of self-scouting of themselves and figuring sure. out what's working, what's not working, things like that. So if they can tweak uh, for the second half of the season and it kind of came up, well, okay, so you did a lot of self-scouting, but how much scouting of other teams do you do as far as like their systems, similar systems uh, that you run? And that, and that that's how this conversation kind of uh, evolved a little bit, but yeah, it, it was pretty funny to hear him just blatantly admit. Yeah. I, I, I steal stuff from other people. Other people steal stuff from us. You know, the the systems are the same. You know, it's interesting. Like uh, Deion Jones, when he came in, right? Um, We were talking about, hey, about the assimilation and learning the new defense, things like that. He's like, and he basically said, yeah, everything's pretty much the same in the NFL. It's just the terminology and what stuff is called is different. But pretty much we all do the same stuff. Um and and so yeah, I, I got a lot of laughter out of Stefanski basically admitted, yeah, all the coaches at the end of we do we're just ripping each other off every week. It's great. Jared, what how do you think Kevin feels right now? I mean, is he playing knowing that he's kind of playing towards his next quarterback? Is he on the hot seat? Is he just kind of day by day? Like I don't know Kevin's pretty much even kilter, no matter what the press. He's a robot. Is. He's not yeah. even kilter. He's just a robot. <laughs> like, uh, there are times where I'm just like, is this dude even human? Like, is there an ounce of humanity to him? <laughs> because he's just so just laser focused on the on the task at hand. I mean, the fact that he he didn't know there was bad weather coming to Miami's kind of. I mean, if, if you know there's bad weather coming and you know it's going to be rain and you might be playing the rain, wouldn't you do wet ball drills like high schools even would? I guess the hurricane, uh, I haven't looked. I, I think it was supposed to make landfall overnight Wednesday into Thursday or you know Thursday morning. I still saw rain in the forecast when I looked on Monday for Sunday. I, I could look at yeah. it right now. but Yeah, and I, look, I, I've seen them do wet ball drills before, so I, I'm sure that those are all things that, you know, Basically, the more he's only concerned about what the forecast is on Sunday, like that's 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 where his you know because that's what affects them per se. You know what I mean on the field and and and, and what they have to do. So, uh, quite frankly, I think they probably should be rooting for rain because Miami doesn't run the ball a lot. The Browns do, uh, and Tua is just like lighting the world on fire right now. And I, I just I I don't know if you want Tua throwing it all over the yard on your secondary, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like absolutely. 
what Miami does really good offensively is use the middle of the field. What the Browns do really, really bad defensively is cover the middle of the field. So I just, I don't know if that's a great matchup that you want to see a lot of. So, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think they ought to be rooting for rain. Well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I look at this game this weekend and I know we're going to get more into the dolphins in the next segment, but you know, I, I do think there's an opportunity for the Browns here. They've had two weeks to prepare for this team. Um, it could be a little bit. There could be some weather residual on Sunday, which would be good for our running game, as we've talked about a little bit here, too. And um, if you're thinking about a good time to play Miami, this probably is it. After a bye week, you're going to be on the road. You know, you're you're coming off your best game of the season against Cincinnati. The timing of this game is uh, is apropos for this team, because I think that this is a good time to play them as long as you can play 60 minutes of football. And that's what this team's problem has been all year long. Well, we're going to find out if this defense really is fixed, right? Because that's a, that that's a, kind of what everyone's clinging to right now is, hey, they put good back-to-back defensive performance th- together against Baltimore and then, uh, you know, against the Bengals before the bye. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see after they play the Dolphins and the Bills how good this defense really ultimately <laughs> is and if they've really truly um, turned that corner. But – I, I don't know about Ty. I, I mean, look, Miami's won three straight. They're hot. Uh, their, their quarterback is completing 70% of his passes. It's just beyond ridiculous. Uh, they have Tyree Kill, who's kind of really fast, really good. Big pain in the ass to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that this is a uh, a great time to play the Dolphins, but, I mean, the, the Browns have to win the game. Like they just if they well if, have, if you if, if, if they want to have any hope with Deshaun Watson coming back right because that yeah that's what everyone's focused on right now because Deshaun Watson can start practicing next week and so if you want to cling to this this hope that well Deshaun's coming back and Deshaun's gonna save the season and I've been warning people stop with that but I I, I get it I understand it um at you know hate to throw facts at people, but the Dolphins have only scored 13 more points this season than the Cleveland Browns have. That's all good. All right, Daryl, let's hold that thought for a second. I want to jump back in on the Dolphins, what the Browns might look like this weekend, advantages and disadvantages, and how you should be watching the game, trying to figure things out going into Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Daryl, when we last picked off, or picked off like a good interception, uh, we were talking a little bit about the Browns and Dolphins going into this weekend. And, you know, you talked about how fragile the league is, is that the Browns have to win every week if they want to hang in, especially in games against the AFC where they have been abysmal this season. And it's really going to hurt them if there is a postseason dream or a hope um and and just kind of breaking down the dolphins i think the biggest thing that just stands out to you obviously is the way tua can play the game but he's got jalen waddle he's got tyree kill um he's got some quality wide receivers um on this team that can make the ball um move down the field quickly but i I do thought i do think it was interesting you brought it up they only have 13 more points than the browns do this year yeah and you know, again, going back to the standings here is I, I, you know, look at the results in the schedule from this season. They have five AFC losses already. The They've Browns, lost yep. to the Jets, the Chargers, the Patriots. I'm sorry, four. The Ravens, four. They have four AFC losses. If they lose Sunday, 
that makes five. Okay. And remaining on the schedule, because remember, that's, what, eight, the th- that's a third tiebreaker for the postseason, too. Yeah, second it, or third tiebreaker. It's the second or third, but it's an important tiebreaker. And so remaining on the schedule is the Dolphins, the Bills, the Texans, Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. So they have six more AFC games remaining on the schedule. But if you go to one in five against the AFC, that's you're you're all but kind of cooked in that formula. And then really your only hope is that you're going to somehow chase down the Baltimore Ravens to win this division, which I don't think is going to out the game is chasing down. I think Baltimore is going to win the division. Um, so I, I just, I don't see that happening. So that, that's, that is the mathematical importance of this game Sunday. And, you know, the, the, the challenges of, you know, facing Miami, uh, what makes them tough to deal with while they might not run the ball a lot, they have run it somewhat effectively. Number one, number two, they really use the middle of the field in their offense, which is somewhat problematic for the Browns because that's an area where they're, they're, a week in depth and they've been frankly they've just been weak all season um and they can go vertical with with uh both uh waddle and uh hill so it's not an easy offense to defend um hopefully denzel ward can come back this week um he's not as of this podcast as of this podcast he's not 100 percent out of the protocol He's pra- he practiced on Monday and Wednesday. We'll as we tape this on a Thursday morning. We'll see what he does t- uh, on Thursday and Friday here. Uh, but like they need Denzel Ward to come back, and j- just especially from a-, a depth standpoint to help out with uh, Tyree Kill. And that's a tough thing, right? I mean, Denzel hasn't played in three weeks. If you throw in like you throw in the bye week, that's four, right? And then all of a sudden, he's if he assuming he comes back, he's got to help slow down Tyree Kill. And it, and it, it was um, it was kind of funny talking to Sione Takitaki and Deion Jones on Wednesday about like trying to simulate Tyree Kill's speed and stuff like that. And they just right. both, like rolled their eyes and laughed and like you ain't sim. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna you know the offense is giving us some good looks this that the other but yeah you just ain't sim- simulating that dude there are just some guys in the league you can't simulate right I, like Lamar Jackson I would I would put him in that category you can do some of the things that he does in practice but I don't know that you can do it at the speed with which he he does it right and that's really the the challenge. And so the approach for the Browns really seems to be with dealing with Tyreek Hill is that he's going to get the ball, right? The Dolphins right. are going to find ways to get him the football. So how they know they have to deal with him is basically when he catches the ball, they got to get him on the ground. They, they, they seem to feel like if they can limit the, the yards after the catch, that that will be – uh, uh, I don't want to say beneficial because that's you know staying out, but that that that's like critical to their to their uh, approach defensively. That when Tyreek does get the ball in his hands, they got to get him on the ground as soon as possible. Their tackling uh, has to be sound uh, and, and on point. And as we know, again, another problem that this team has had early in the season, their tackling hasn't always been 
the crispest. But as I say that, Andy, having uh, I I did spend a lot of time watching a lot of teams around the league during the bye week, and I got to tell you, the tackling in the NFL is pretty terrible. It's right. not it's not just a Browns thing. Um, so I kind of feel bad for like you know going off on them because they can't tackle. It's an NFL thing. Like the the tackling in this league is just really crapcastic. It's not that great, um, and and I don't know why that. And, and I think you know part of that's because you don't do life tackling in practice. And again, the reason you don't do life tackling in practice is because you don't want to get anyone hurt, right? Because if, sure, for if sure. someone gets injured in practice and it's during a life tackling drill, guess what happens? All the fans want the coach fired because he's an idiot for tackling in practice. And if it's a good player flushing millions down the toilet for no reason. A hundred percent. I get that. The dollars um, involved have like changed how the league operates. And so, even though it has affected the product, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It certainly has not affected the quality of the games and the fan interest in the league and stuff like that. So until you see that happen, yeah, they're they're going to it's going to be a continuous protection of the players leading up to the games during the week. All right, so Daryl, as you know, we do tons of research on this um, on this show, and we go deep. I we, mean, we, we go, have a we, whole research go, division. Oh man, we go deeper than anybody else. So I have someone who has been checking out Miami radio for the past week to find out what they're talking about. Much like you know, we have spies that listen to us while we're talking throughout the week right and spies that are which is to why us. we're not allowed to watch brown's practice when they're doing 11 on 11 so we don't actually right. post any video that's why drones are not allowed around the penitentiary out in berea um that is why visiting media is not permitted to watch uh, practice uh, should they be in town uh covering the browns because it's, it's you know a lot of top secret stuff happens in the national football league um so anyway, so I've we've got someone undercover for us who's listening okay. to Miami Radio. Um, I'll just call. Let's give him a code name Chip. Code name Chip. I like that. Uh, I worked with a guy name. named Chip. Code name Chip. These are his three major points that he's picked up from Miami Radio this week. So okay. I mean, this is some major league undercover stuff. One, uh, they're reminding people that it's a whiteout on Sundays for everyone to wear white T-shirts to the game. It's a big okay. Deal. Well, th- 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 that's good. That means it'll be easier to see the football when it's in the air. Good, good point. Okay, so now, now you're thinking. Now it's worth every penny that we've next, spent on undercover man. Ne- next um, here. He's also infiltrated the fact that as a former Clevelander, we're getting infra- inside information who played for Miami. That's OJ McDuffie, who went to Penn State but also played at Hawken. Um, he said that OJ McDuffie says the Dolphins' run defense scares him most about Sunday. Their run defense. It is. It, it is eerie how when you look at the numbers between these two teams, especially right. against the run, they are virtually identical. Well, yeah. I mean, the they're Dolphins, like the poltergeist twins. Yeah. I mean, the dolphins are giving up almost five yards a carry. They, well, it's around four and a half to five yards per carry. Uh, and I, I do believe earlier in the podcast, we uh, talked about the importance of using the running game again. Like it's a weekly thing with the Browns. Like uh, make sure you use the running game. Root for rain on the ball. Now he did have four points. I'm going to give you three because the fourth point was about a commercial for, um, a strip club. So I'm not going to go into that one, but oh, that no, was no. Also- I, I think, I think our audience wants to hear that. I think um, we need to hear that one. Well, I'll tell you the fourth one was, he says that they, the radio station that he was listening to in Miami runs an ad uh, for a gentleman's club where you can get a burger at lunch uh, and see very beautiful people there. 
at the same time. Uh, that that is that is you know what? You just you don't get that kind of intel on any other Browns podcast. No, I don't know how you would know anything else other than that. Uh, but he also said the other point was that Miami Radio, one of their topics of conversation was uh, Tua should be in the MVP combo. I I don't disagree with that. Um, when you look at Tua's numbers, I'll, I'll just pull them up for you here real quick. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked about 69.9% of his passes completed. His touchdown to interception ratio is like beyond insane. 15 mm-hmm. to three. Like he doesn't throw interceptions. Um, he hasn't seen this Browns defense yet. Oh, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> um, How many interceptions know, do we even have this year? We hardly have any. Uh, the Browns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, they, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't throw, they, they don't come up with a lot of inter- just three. The Browns have three. thrown, six, yeah, the Browns have thrown six interceptions as a team, and uh, they've only picked off three passes. Hmm. Crazy. Um, well, I mean, that, I mean, that's why them creating those turnovers against the Bengals was such a big deal because that's quite frankly something that the defense hasn't done a lot of uh, this year is they've not created uh, many turnovers, and that's. Uh, you know, that's somewhat difficult when you're not giving your offense those extra opportunities. And and on the flip side, your offense, unfortunately, at times, um, you know, uh, the Browns have, uh, you know, thrown six interceptions. They've lost uh, uh, a couple of fumbles, uh, too. Like, when, when your defense isn't creating those extra opportunities through turnovers, it just it, it makes it even more uh, difficult but again I, I just i can't stress this enough like jacoby brissett has been pretty damn good for the browns he has exceeded my expectations there's only he's exceeded one, everybody's yeah like there's only, on, there's let's, only let's, one game you can say that he he you know England, that was it yeah you're right every, yeah I'm every other game he's been fantastic his completion percentage is like three three points over his uh career average um granted his touchdown interception ratio is not all that great but man Jacoby's been really, really good. But yeah, I, I, I totally get the conversation uh, down in Miami about wanting to have Tua in the MVP race because when you look when you look at his numbers and you look at their record, right? They're six and three. Um, yeah, I, I think he should be in the counter. No, necessarily he he should win or he's going to win. But um, if the if the Dolphins go on to win that division uh, and he maintains this particular pace. Um, sure. Uh, he's, uh, he's also almost to 2000 yards passing already at the midpoint of the season. So he's on it's, pace for yeah. 4,000 yards. It's been an impressive season. Let's talk more about Miami. And we also want to pay tribute to one of our own here in a moment. So we'll do that when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you want to be a part of the show or you want to hit the mailbag, all you need to do is hit us up on social media at game day, game day CLE. CLE and at Game Day CLE, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. So, you know, uh, the fraternity or is that the right word? I don't even know if fraternity is that the right word. The group, the press corps. What's another good word for <laughs> the, beat. the daily beat writers for the Cleveland Browns? The beat. The beat. The, beat. the folks that cover the beat. It's a... Uh, um, it's an interesting group. Um, I've been happy to be a part of it for a little bit, but never the way Daryl is. Daryl's in the Daily Beat. Um, I was always in the television where let's just jump in for a couple minutes, aggravate everybody, and jump out, um, and not really be a part of the media in that aspect. But um, Daryl, I'm just curious. You know, um, your thoughts on the fact that 
well, I think one of the best to cover the Browns and really a groundbreaker in the National Football League um, is retiring from the and stepping away from the pen. Is that the right way? Stepping yeah, away well, from the pen and well, stepping yeah, away from know. the keyboard. Yeah, she's not retiring per se. Um, she uh, she took the it, as we know in our business, these jobs are getting fewer and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a, a lot of contraction uh, within it, which is unfortunate. And uh, but she's a- absolutely one of the best to ever do it. Uh, Marla Reidenauer from the Akron Beacon Journal. She uh, she uh, took their buyout. And, uh, so she, she won't be doing the, uh, the everyday grind, but I mean, she's done it all. She's covered all three teams in town. Right. Um, she was the first female Browns beat reporter really paved the way. Uh, she's right- got some unbelievable stories. Uh, unbelievable. Absolutely. And a lot of them we can't share a lot of yeah. them we shared the other night when we got together to, to pay tribute to her and, and, uh, you know, show her how much we, we love respect and, uh, admire her. Uh, we were a, able to, to get together earlier this week, but yeah, I mean, she was, uh, the first person that when I started covering the Browns is like my full-time job, uh, in the mid 2000s, she was really like the first person to welcome me with open arms. Um, and when she didn't uh, play, like she doesn't play this silly media game sometimes. Where no. it's like, oh, this is my territory. And this is, look, we all have a job to do. We're all, you know, without stepping on someone's toes or trying to make someone's life difficult. Or I right. do think it's interesting, Daryl, back when I first started, there seemed to be some bitterness between media people and like some media people really didn't like other media people. Oh, there used to be fights in the press boxes. Yeah. Or would sabotage (laughs) people's work or would do things like that. And, you know, everyone was in a, you know, I don't know. There was just, there was a lot of really little silly unwritten things that were going on about the writers. You know what I'm saying? And um, Marla never, ever, ever played that game hundred percent someone you wanted to go up and say hi to you wanted to talk to her about what was going on in her life just always happy and just like it made it a pleasure to go to work you know like we're all there to go work and like never once did i ever look at marlon go like there are people in that room that we all do that too right you're like that person right and so never ever ever like you want to talk about a pro's pro and i've always appreciated the way she covered the game, because it wasn't necessarily like there are different personalities in there and everyone in that room covers the game a little bit differently. And I think that's, that's what makes that room so unique is the fact that you're able to do that and you're able to kind of have different perspectives on the team. And that's, and that's really good for the fans because you just don't want one like robotic way of looking at things. And I, I, I like, I always like Marla's questions and sometimes Sometimes people would go, ah, where was she going with that? Or was she? And I've always been like, she's trying to find out about the personality. She wants to know about the person that's running the ball. She wants to know about the coach and what their life is really like. And she's really trying to give you some perspective that you can't get as a fan. And I've always appreciated her work. I've appreciated her style. And I appreciate her. Yeah, and uh, yeah, of all the people that could have the diva personality because of her resume and what she has accomplished in life, I mean, she she's a Hall of Famer in the state of Ohio as well as the state of Kentucky for her work. Um, and not, I, she's the antithesis of the the diva personality. I, I remember when 
um, uh, I, I would start traveling on the road. She would always, and she, and if she, and when she knew I was traveling, she would always reach out to me to make sure that I did not eat dinner alone. She all, if I did not have plans, she would always invite me, um, to, uh, go wherever she was going to be with other uh, writers. It's um, it's super easy to get lost and isolated when you're on the road with a team. It is. 100%. I mean, I just, after doing, you know, like uh, after doing, you know, more than half a decade with the, with the then Indians and the Browns and the, I mean, I Cavs and Buckeyes and all yeah. that. I mean, it's easy to just kind of get lost in your room. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I've got the greatest job on earth. And, I, you know, I'm covering sports and this is great. And then all of a sudden you, you sit there and you're like, I'm by myself. What, yeah. What and, and, and then just as far, you know, professionally in her work, I mean, she, look, I mean, she's written a lot of incredible stuff over the years and she's not afraid to write stuff that needs to be written. Um, she's very open and honest and, and candid in her assessment and, and um, perspective on uh situations and you know where teams might be and why things are going well or things aren't going well um and you know look in in uh it, you know in our business you know teams are not fans of the media trust me they they really are not because you know it, it's not our job to be fans and it, it um it, it's not our job to just tell fans what they want to hear and that's why you know I, I kid you guys and I, I kid our other hosts when you guys like talk the, the, the P word when it comes to this season. It's like, look, I, I'm not here to gas the fans up and get them all pumped up and rah-rah for games. I'm just here to, right. to give the open, honest assessment of, of where things are. And right now they're just not the, – the team's just not at that uh, particular stage. But, yeah, Mar um, Marla is not only one of the best writers that I ever read on a regular basis – but she is one of the best people. And this is a, this really is a people business. She's so good at connecting with people. I, and look, I admit, like that's one of my, um, you know, one of my Achilles heels is I don't like bothering a lot of people. I can't, you know, I, I, I'm one, I was raised in the know your role, stay in your lane. Right. Do your job, focus on you and only you and don't worry about what else is going on around you. Um, so like I don't like I feel like when I reach out to people, like I'm bothering them, like I'm interrupting them. You're and never bothering me. I just want you to know that <laughs> I appreciate that, even though I know that's not always true. But um, I mean, she just no, you're never I, Daryl. I can honestly tell you in the time that we've worked together for more than a decade, you've never once bothered me. I know. And, and by the same token, because our, our pipeline to the public is different and it always has been like, if I ever get something that is great information, but it's not in my pipeline, I'm picking up the phone and calling you first. And I'm not saying that just to, to, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, how yeah. many times have we had that phone call? I'm like, Hey Daryl, you might want to check this out. This is what right. I'm hearing, and I don't give a crap if it's it, Andy Baskin says or Daryl Ryder says or anybody else says. Let's get the information out. And, and right. I was that way in TV. I've always been that that way in radio. And I mean, yeah, sometimes the relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think people would be surprised to know that sometimes media stories 
that get out there sometimes are media to media and it's someone else checking something out because they may have had their the uh, their flow to the river closed down in one way and the other person might have been able to, to verify it. And so you're like, hey, let's just get this out there. And I'm not worried about a clock that tells you who broke this story. Like, I think yeah. those days are long gone because oh, yeah. Yeah, and the I, other it, part of it is I, I do think part of it is, Daryl, that, you know, teams hand out stories now. It's not like they hand them out like suckers. And it's not the way it used <laughs> to be where you had to go out and work and go get that story. It wasn't yeah, that easy. I mean, and this is this was the next point I was going to make about Marla. Um, the business has changed so much over the years. And with every change, she seamlessly adapted to that. I mean, I've only been in the business for 25, 26 years now. And I'm already the guy that uh, used to, you know, I'm the guy that I used to make fun of when I was younger, when I'd be like, I'd be like, Oh, back in the day, this is how things were done. And just even in my own experiences, uh, in the business, it's incredible how things have changed. Technology obviously, uh, has changed access to players, executives, and coaches, uh, have certainly changed. It's it's more of a communal thing, um, you know. Uh, you know when when Marla got started back in the business. Look, I mean, the, believe it or not, the media used to be able to go to the team cafeteria and sit down and eat lunch with people, whether it was coaches or players or front office people. Buying now, a member, a buying a member of the team, buying a member of the coaching staff a beer at the corner around uh, around the corner yeah. from Berea was pretty much every day. Yeah. And, but, but, but I mean, my point is, is today now we basically get a police escort to the locker room like that. That's how we're treated today. I'm going to, um, I got a great story about how things have changed here. In a second. Yeah, keep I mean, going those I'm sorry. Long, long, long gone. Right. Uh, you know, we get coach for 15 minutes a day and you know, it's hard to do any type of a conversation with him. It's hard to, Get, get background or context because remember the press conferences now are all for entertainment and they're all for show. I mean, we broadcast them live on the station, right? And mm -hmm. and there's 30 people in the room and we're all competing with each other politely, but we are right. Look, I mean, there are days where I leave that room and I'm I'm flaming pissed because I couldn't get my question in because other people were able to get theirs in. And I'm not mad at them. They're doing their job, but I'm upset right. because like there was something I really wanted to ask and I couldn't even get it asked. Be that, but that that's just now the environment that we work in. And she just, she's, you know, found a way to trailblaze throughout her uh, career. And by no means is her career over. I can't wait to see whatever she's going to do next. I think she's taking some time off. I don't want to say too much. Sure. But I think she's going to, you know, take a couple of months off, well-deserved, um, before she figures out what she's going to do next. But, yeah, she's one of the best to ever do it. Um, she's... Uh, uh, again, there just aren't enough adjectives or superlatives to describe her as a person and how incredible and amazing she is as a person. And um, yeah, I mean, she's, I, I will say this, the Browns beat, the Cavs beat, the Guardians beat is lesser for not having Marla Reidenauer in that room, in the locker room, in the press box, in the uh, interview rooms. We are lesser for not, having her around going forward here at least amen amen i second that 
Uh, let me leave you with one quick story just about how media has changed. You want to hear this? It's a pretty good story. I always want to hear stories. All right. I, back so in the day, the great Andy Baskin. Well, this isn't me. This is Hal Leibovitz, okay? Oh. Right? You know, the great Hal, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I've heard a lot of stories about him. So I, I can't remember if I had this conversation with him or Les or, or, um, or Hal's son. But it, it might have actually been Hal because Hal and I would talk every Sunday. Uh, when I was in the press box, when I was, you know, Indian doing Indians all the time. And, you know, the, there's the great story of Herb score was the <clears throat> rookie of the year in 1955 pitch for the Indians. And he got hit in the eye. Right. right. And it just totally changed his whole career. And Herb made a conscious, or, it's not Herb. Um, Hal made a conscious decision on game day. When that happened, his job was to write the game day story. And that was obviously that was a big deal then because it wasn't like you could look up a box score in like five seconds like we can right. now. Okay. So Hal got on the phone with his editor, and I can't remember the editor's name at this point. And when Herb got hit, Hal said, forget the game. He jumped in the ambulance. Hal was in the ambulance with Herb after Herb got hit. And I, I think it was twofold. One, because they were friends. And two, because he wanted to be able to tell the fans the story of what happened. Right. Th those days are so long gone. Oh, so God. long like, we, gone. We, yeah, I mean, we can't. Yeah, there is no, like, absolutely no access to the building. No. Or the stadium without an escort. Like, there, it, I mean, and even just having conversations sometimes with players, there's a PR person lurking, hearing every word that's being said. Right. You know, yeah, like even just asking a player what they did over the bye week, just as a not not even recording, but just, you know, having a kind of, hey, how was your bye week? Did you get to spend time with the family? And what did you guys do? And you enjoy the weather. Can you believe how nice it's been? You know, just just normal human interaction is policed today. Um, and and so it's it, it, it and I, I just and, and I don't think that that's good for the audience. I mean, you mentioned editors. What are those like? Right. No, you're right. Uh, all all yeah. those, uh, all all those positions have are are being eliminated, um, uh, in in the business as well. And um, but yeah, it's it it has changed uh, a lot in my 25 years, as I said earlier. Uh, I know certainly, and, and keep in mind too, um, you know when Marla broke in, um, in the late 70s and early 80s. That's a very misogynistic time. As yes. Well. Okay. Right. Yeah, I can I only imagine I, how, I, how I, difficult I'll, it was I'll, for. I'll I'll tell a story too. I remember <clears throat> back uh, one of my first locker room experiences. Uh, there were women, and I remember players would blatantly walk around the locker room without a towel, just to mess with. The, the the people in the just room just to make female on uh, female reporters uncomfortable right that's all that that doesn't just, they did today. it they did it for the strict reason to make them feel uncomfortable a hundred percent a hundred and that was just 25 years ago okay and that's mm -hmm. something that i observed now that's changed today it was worse way worse before that way I, I, worse I, I, yeah. and i know but that's just that that's the point that i'm trying to make today yeah. it's a very respectful environment you know there are some depending on the sport and the team or whatever now when the locker room opens, the PR will say, you know, locker room's open, woman on the floor, you know, whatever. 
I, I know the NFLPA uh, is part of the latest collective bargaining agreement. Um, you know, because there was the debate over the the need for locker room access. Uh, you know, could there be like an interview room or something like that? Do sure. You know, do, college does media it. really need to be in the room when guys are getting dressed and, and things like that? And those are all very valid conversations to, to I, I used to always life. say why do I have to walk in this room full of naked men can't we do this in the hallway can't we talk right. after they get dressed I, like but, that two or three minutes didn't mean a whole much to, a whole lot to me but to think of what she went through early in her career right mm-hmm. um and I and and I'm sure that she did not receive respectful treatment at times oh, uh, for sure. from, you know from folks and things like that and now to see her where she is at in her career and just how awesome and amazing like she is like you want to talk about the ultimate excuse to have a chip on your shoulder and kind of be salty about some things and maybe how she was treated early or her early in her career and stuff like that. You will never find someone more welcoming, more accepting, more open armed than Marla right now. And so I, I just want to kind of throw that, context out there too because when she broke into the business that was not uh you know a, a, it was a male dominated business and uh i'm sure that she was not the recipient of how she treats her colleagues and, gotcha. and, and again that says yeah. a lot about who she is as a person too Well said, Daryl. Let's leave it at that. It's always game day in Cleveland. We'll be back with you again on Sunday night after the Browns-Miami Dolphins game. We'll have our post-game report for you immediately following the game or maybe an hour or two afterwards. So thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast.